Welcome to another episode of Living and Ultra Life. And this week I am joined by a lady that I've been following for a while and just amazed at her athleticism. But even more than that, she's just an amazing human. And I thought, dang, if I could get this gal on the podcast, this would be a really incredible show. So let's welcome in Katrina Ralston. And did I say your last name correctly? Yeah, you did. I nailed yes. it. There you go. I always like when I <laughs> when I get a last name right. So Katrina, let's let's kind of start out a little bit with you know who you are, what you do when you're not out doing badass things, and uh, family and all that good stuff. Okay. Well, what do I do? I'm in human resources, so I do work full time. It's just my husband and I, and we have a dog and a cat at home. But we do have an adult son, and we became grandparents last year. So. We have a grandbaby getting ready to turn one. So when I'm uh, not out doing all the athletic stuff and not on work travel, I try to squeeze in all the family time and cuddles with the fur babies that I can. That is awesome. And you do quite a bit of traveling, don't you? I do. I've traveled a lot more this year than I normally do. But yeah, I do. It just depends on the projects going on. I'm the head of HR and we're nationwide. So I have to get out to the branches and Yep. out to California where my boss and staff are. So there you go. So what type of company are you head of HR for? It's a auto finance company. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's kind of nice. So when I travel to California, I have family there. So a little perk, I get to see my older brother and his wife and sometimes additional family members, depending on who's in the area when I visit. So that's that always a perk. That is <laughs> awesome. So uh, let's kind of jump into some of the athleticism because you are unique. You're a triathlete but also a marathoner and you've just done a bunch of different things. So kind of tell us about, you know, what is, what is your, your thing? Um, my thing. So I think like most triathletes, I started in a specific discipline, meaning I kind of came from the running side of things growing up in high school. I did a little bit of cross country, but honestly, I didn't love running then I played basketball. I enjoyed that. Um, And it wasn't until later in life that I got into running and got a routine. I actually started out with team and training fundraising for Leukemia and Lymphoma Society when I had a friend's daughter that was diagnosed and we formed a team to do the rock and roll half in Virginia Beach. So a half marathon was my first event ever. That's (laughs) funny. So you started with a half. There you go. I did. I started with a half, which is going to kind of roll forward into triathlon. I guess I just have come to the notion of if you're willing to put in the time and discipline and train and believe in yourself, then you can do it. So I think 2011, that was in 2008. In 2011, I did my first full. And from there, I thought, oh, it'd be kind of cool to get 50 states done. So I wasn't in a hurry. I was like, ah, if I get two states a year and be done when I'm 60 or 65 and have grandkids, that'd be cool, you know. And then I had a running friend who was like, hey, let's sign up for this triathlon. And it was a sprint try. I had just gotten a bike over the winter. Our son was, I think he was still in middle school then maybe, but biking was one thing I thought we could all do together as a family. He was a soccer player and I was like, okay, yeah, sure. Let's do it. I hadn't really been doing any swimming or anything. (laughs) I jumped in and did a sprint triathlon summer of 14. So yeah, I think I did another sprint that summer and then I really didn't do anything for a couple of years. I mean, I did stuff. I just didn't do triathlon. It was my son's senior year, my boss was retiring, I was trying to get promoted. So lots of other focuses at that time. 
And then my husband kept doing triathlon and he did his first full in 16. And that kind of inspired me. Plus people saying, you're not ready. You can't do it. I'll be honest. Gave me a little fuel as well. There you so. go. <laughs> that's, that's the worst thing to say to people, isn't it? Yeah. You can't it do is. it. Okay. Let me prove it you is. wrong. <laughs> and it is more challenging when you're traveling. I feel like running, you know, I can do that anywhere. I could be on a work travel or just a leisure trip and I'll find a place to run. That's what I love about running is you explore and see so much more than everyone else does, right? They don't even yeah. know what's beyond the resort, basically. And I'm like, oh, I saw this. I did that. But um, biking and swimming is harder when you're on travel, finding a pool available. And of course, you're not going to fly with your bike all the time. So I just, I do what I can. Uh, but there was a year where I thought, okay, let me just start following a plan and not say anything to anyone and see if it's doable or not. But the next year, I just dove right in. I triathlon. I did my first Olympic. I did my first half Ironman, which is 70.3. And then I did have to change races, but I did my first full Ironman that fall as well. So That's awesome. And that was in 2017? 2018. Okay. Yeah. And so now what's the difference between a Olympic triathlon and a full triathlon and 70.3 just um the distance basically okay. so you're all going to be swim bike run um on olympic is going to be a shorter distance so the swim on like let's say a half ironman is 1.2 miles and then the bike is 56 and the run is a half marathon okay so by the time you get to a full distance ironman you're doing a 2.4 mile swim followed by a 112 mile bike followed by a 26.2 mile run. You're doing a okay. full marathon at the end. Yeah. That's tough. So it's you, a lot to train for. It yeah. is. So how do you get in the training? Cause you live out in the Suffolk area. Is that correct? So yep, I do. Do you, are there like, do you just find country roads out there to get the rides and stuff on? Or how do you get your training in? Yeah, actually when we moved out here, we weren't into triathlon yet, but now it's been such a blessing. I think we, I mean, we use the local Y for pool swims, but we will go other places for outdoor swims, but um, running, I was already running wherever and lots of routes around here, but yeah, cycling, we're lucky. We can go a mile and a half down the road and we're in the country. And of course, the further we go, the deeper we are. So we actually have a lot of people that come now from Virginia Beach, Chesapeake, Newport News, Hampton, whatever. We usually always have a group ride going on either a Saturday or a Sunday. And people like to come out here because we do have lower traffic. Uh, there's times I could do a 7,500 mile ride. You'll see cars, the early part and maybe the later part when you're closer to home, but you can go a long time and not see a car, which is really nice. That's awesome. So. That's, that's what I loved about living in Sheridan, Wyoming is I could, I could go for a run and never see a car. It was mm -hmm. awesome. You can't do that here in Virginia beach. So no, when you have lights, right. All the intersections. Yes. Yeah. We so don't have lights. Starting and stopping <laughs> and, you know, wondering who you're going to hit, hit by that doesn't actually pay attention while they're driving. So yeah. Mm -hmm. So that's nice. So in addition to the, you know, triathlons and everything, now you're doing the 50 state, try to get a marathon in all 50 states. Where are you in that pursuit right now? Well, when I started doing triathlon pretty heavily, I honestly kind of fell off of chasing down the 50 states. <laughs> but this year, I didn't have a lot on the calendar. I didn't have a long distance triathlon. Um, I was doing a lot of work travel. But one of my friends is also trying to do 50 states. And she was joining a group of ladies in June. And I started looking at the calendar. And I said, hey, ask them if they mind if I hop in. So um, we just did that 
weekend before last. Yeah, we did Nebraska. And then the very next day we did South Dakota. But I could say I'm the baby out of that group because I have 17 states done plus D.C., we had one woman who finished her 50th. Oh, wow. Some That's of them awesome. are already, you know, on 30 plus states. So, wow. but they're chasing them down. You know, they're, that's like their plan, basically. Let's look for the next state and go after it. And I'm just trying to fit it in with everything else. But I'm chomping at the bit now after that weekend. I'm like, what state? Well, I was I kind of impressed. You did back to back marathons and not easy marathons. I mean, it's not like you said, okay, let's go someplace where they're all flat and there's no variation in terrain. Those are pretty meaty runs. Yeah, I was. The one we did in Nebraska, it was very small. We had, I think, fewer than 30 people did the full. So you have to be someone who doesn't need on course, you know, support and crowds. It's just you in nature, which is one thing I love about running, you know, just being out there. Um, they literally had two trucks pulling porta johns, so they were truly portable <laughs> porta johns. That's awesome. Uh, and then the aid stops; they just had coolers, and they would have water and Gatorades in a bag there. Um, but then the one we did the next day in South Dakota, I think the bigger issue was one: you started at elevation, and then it was a trail marathon. It was a rails to trails project, but um, for the about at least the first fourteen miles, you were on a constant incline, in addition to being at elevation and you know, we can't really train for elevation around here. Right. Right. So that was different, but in a way I was grateful. I think my quads were grateful anyhow, because, you know, coming down can be harder on your quads. So it was actually a relief that we were going up in a way. And on day one, I had developed really bad blisters on my big toes, which doesn't normally happen. So I was worried about that. So I was happy. We were kind of going up and my toes weren't pressure on your toes. Right. Yeah. And I was worried on Saturday, but actually they were fine on Sunday. My feet didn't bother me. So that was great. Yeah. That is so much fun. So now go back to triathlons. I keep on bouncing back and forth here. I'm fascinated by triathlons because I'm one of those people that if I ever had to swim, I just, I would just sink. So (laughs) how, is there a strategy that you use on the swim portion to not get in that mass of people How do you, is there, what do you use? I guess is what I'm asking. Well, I think it depends on the, if you're mean at a race, it depends on the race. Yeah. On a race. Um, I like swim is my weakest leg of triathlon. So uh, the first couple that I did, I remember specifically that first summer being at Jamestown beach and I was worried about being in the crowd. So I just went wide. If it's a wave start and there's a huge group of people starting together for me, I just went wide so I could kind of be off to the side. <laughs> okay. So you might end up swimming a little extra farther because now you still have to get to those same buoys, right? And get around them. But at least you, if you feel more comfortable having a little space around you, you know, that's what I would do. But it depends on the event. Smaller ones, you usually can do that. If somebody just wants to dip their toes in their local, I would even suggest Smithfield try because it's at the YMCA over there and the swim is in a pool. You just snake through the pool lanes okay. for the swim. So if somebody's, you know, just getting in, they're not super comfortable. That's what I would, I would try that one first and cool. then start getting comfortable in the open water, you know, okay. how hard is it to transition from pool swim to open water swim? I think it, and it depends on the person. So, it, I mean, it's difficult in that now you have to fight, right? You can't just follow the line on the bottom of the pool to the right. end and turn around and come back. So 
trying to keep your line straight, but some people freak out when they get in the open water if it's murky and they can't see. So I would also suggest if people are going to do a triathlon with an open water swim to get out in the open water beforehand. Like don't wait until race day, get out there, get comfortable. The other thing I'll do on race day, um, most of them will let you get in the water ahead of time. So if it's a big race and a longer distance, you usually are in town ahead of time, get in the local water and get a feel for it. But even if it's not, and you're just there morning of, you usually can go in the water get your, just dip your face in, get your face wet, you know, get your heart rate down. Um, I would think that's the hardest thing with triathlon at the start is that you guys, whether you're a runner, it's like whatever you do, right. You tend to have your nerves going at the beginning, your heart rate is up, but you have to breathe while you're swimming. Yeah, <laughs> And that's difficult to do when your heart rate's up. So anything you can do to kind of just get in, relax, calm the heart rate down is going to help you at the start of the race. Okay. Transition point. So when you're transitioning from swim to bike, do you, is it, are you just adding shoes? Cause you're staying in the same, I, you know, I, what do they call the try outfits? I, I saw a word for it the other day and I can't remember what kit. it is. Most kit. people there call them kits. Okay. Mm-hmm. So for most people, yes, I'll often, honestly, if I have a wetsuit on, I'll, or, and depending on what the temperature is going to be on the bike, I'll often swim with my tri shorts on and my sports bra and not my top. And I'll put my top on in transition in addition to my socks and my shoes. And then everything else, well, and your helmet, of course. And if you wear bike gloves, everything else is already on the bike because they let you go in that morning and add your bottles, add your nutrition, So you're usually just getting that stuff on and uh, you walk your bike out of transition. You're not allowed to ride it out. There's a certain line. It's called a mount and dismount. So you can't mount your bike until you cross that line. So you're walking with it or running with it until you can get on the bike. So where do you store nutrition? I know that, you know, for a hundred mile bike, you've got to have more than just a drink, right? So where do you store your nutrition? In my pockets. Okay. <laughs> so everybody's a little bit different, but I do have, uh, usually the kits have big pockets on the back of the shirts, the jerseys. So I'll put a lot of nutrition in there. A lot of people will carry fuel on their bike. So I do have, um, they're called like a bento box on the bike. My bike frame has a little space where you can store stuff as well. But I have my spare tire and tire levers and things like that in there versus food. If you're doing like a full distance triathlon, almost always they have what they call special needs. So halfway through the bike course, you can have a bag staged with anything you think you might need halfway through. So if you need to add more fuel, you can grab it out of that bag. You want to have a Coca-Cola in there, whatever, turkey sandwich, whatever you want to have in there, you can have in special needs. But for instance, I just did California last fall and I didn't use special needs at all. I just didn't stop. I'll keep extra packets of what I need in my bottles. So at the stops, I can just shake that out into the bottle and add water to it, shake it up and keep rolling. And I've learned to carry enough food on me so that I don't really have to stop it at the special needs. So a typical like Ironmind bike, the 100 miles, how many hours does that take you? Uh, it depends on the weather. <laughs> okay. So I should be able to do a full, the full distance is 112. 
So you would think I can do a half in about three hours and 15, six hours and 30 minutes. But like last year when I did California, we had sustained winds of 20 miles an hour and the gusts were close to 40. Oh my gosh. So that was harder. That slowed you down. Yeah. But yeah. Okay. So then when you transition from bike to running, what is it just shoes that you're changing or, you know, obviously you're losing your helmet. What, Mm -hmm. what other parts of your kit do you change or don't change or. If it's a shorter distance triathlon, I'll usually wear the same thing for the hold for everything. And then I'll just swap my visor for my helmet. You have to wear your race belt, you know, with your number on it when you're on the run and yeah, tennis shoes instead of your bike shoes and then any fuel that you might need on the run. If I'm doing a long distance triathlon, my first one that I did, I changed everything because some of it's just mental, right? Like being in fresh clothes. Some people will even swig like mouthwash. Just it's a different sense that you're sending to your brain and I'm in fresh clothes. I'm doing something new now. You know, so it kind of depends and on the weather too, I think. But when I did my full last year, I tried to minimize all of that, minimize needing special needs, minimize what I was going to change into. I feel like I wore the same thing the whole time, except swap and visor, et cetera. So, okay. Yeah. So what is your go-to nutrition? What's, what's the must have? Well, I generally now I use scratch for my electrolytes, for my hydration, I just find it sits well on my stomach, whether I'm on the bike or the run, I can eat more things on the bike, meaning that won't bother me, won't give me any GI upset. Whereas on the run, I have to be a little bit more careful. So that's also something you have to be mindful of in a triathlon though is, okay, what am I eating the later miles of the bike? Because in an hour I'm going to be running, right? I need to be sure it's also digestible on the run. On my long bike rides, I'm tending to go towards um, Bobo bars. Okay. I split them in half and Lara bars. I split those in half. Bobo bars I like are awesome, to... aren't they? They're yeah, my new... Bobo bars. Oh, man. Cranberry orange. Okay. Mine, mine is the, uh, have you tried the oatmeal PB&Js, the gluten-free ones? And I'm allergic to peanut butter, but they okay. do have an almond butter chocolate Okay. One. Perfect. Yeah. So I've, I've had that one. Yeah. And, and they're then scratch, are you the using the super fuel for the scratch or? If I'm doing longer, when I'm going into my longer distance and um, when it's warmer out and I'm sweating, I do use super fuel some, but I'm more use their high, like their regular hydration. I use it year round Yeah. Um, in my water bottles. I use it on the run too. And then on the run, like when I did the marathons, I knew like what they were going to serve on the course and I can't handle that. So I wore my um, hydration pack, but I only put water in there, but I keep base salt in my pocket. So I use base salt to get my electrolytes in. And then I've found I can do the Lara bars and things on the run and they don't bother me. So I used that and they had, you know, bananas, you know, cut up out on the course and pretzel sticks and things. So those sit well, they're digestible. Um, yeah, I think with triathlon, I've gone, it taught me to go more to food sources versus gels. Like yep. when I first started running and getting a long distance, everybody's doing the gels, but I I can't even remember the last time I ate a gel, honestly. <laughs> I, I so, know. I, somebody ooh. asked me that the other day. They said, cause they saw me, I was running and I was eating pistachios and they're like, well, why don't you just use a gel? And I was like, I don't even remember 
the last time I had a gel. I, mm -hmm. you know, I, I do like the Justin's peanut butter that just, to, you, you can't do peanut butter, but they have this Justin's, yeah, they, have yeah, they have almond butter too. And they're perfect because you can just kind of stick them wherever you need to and just haul it out and have some quick protein, which is yeah. always amazing. So I make um, sandwiches out of that. Sometimes I'll just make an almond butter sandwich and put it in my pocket. Yeah. I can use that on the bike or the run as well. So now the, one of the things that I just think you're an amazing human being is I've watched you, you what you do at some of these running races that you're doing. And I don't even know if you realize this, but you have this wonderful characteristic where you find somebody that's struggling in the back of the pack and you help them over that finish line. How did that start? Did that, was that just, is that just a Katrina characteristic? Cause I really admire that. Oh, I, I think it just comes. Yeah. I think it's natural. I just, I want to do for others what I hope they were doing for me if I was in that position, I guess. And uh, even out and back races, I actually enjoy them because I can see people on the other side and, encourage them and I don't know doing that helps me also in a weird way it gives me new energy um but yeah I think like uh, at Shamrock this year I actually switched to the full like the week of the race to do it with a friend and my younger brother was doing his first full so I was with a friend doing run walk intervals and we switched to just walk but uh, we came across this girl about halfway and she was ready to quit. She was going to quit. And I said, you know what? No, stick with us. Stick with us. We can do it. And after she got a certain point with us, she figured it would be too much to turn around. And she, the longest she had ever done was 10 miles, even That's in training. Amazing. So she wasn't really prepared. But you know what? I was like, it's OK. We can get through it. We played music. I talked to them and and we got through it. And even this last weekend when we did the run, there were some people were doing a relay at South Dakota and I remember we came across this one guy and he was struggling and I'm like, what's your name? And Han. And I said, all right, well, what leg are you doing? How many miles do you have? And I said, just stick with us. And we're doing intervals. And I said, come on, it'll be more fun. I trust we'll get you through. Trust me. You know, I promise it's going to be fun. And we saw he finished it. He got it that done. Awesome. So that was that really cool. Awesome. Like just seeing them surprise themselves and accomplish something they didn't think they would or, come out of a funk you know I think like once you let yourself I call it go dark once you go dark it's hard to come back from that so if you can bring someone back from that that's a win I love it <laughs> yeah I could tell you know and it's funny because I, I you know, I'm watching you as you remember these things and you you just light up and so you could tell that this is a total Katrina characteristic that you're out there just trying to help other people do awesome things too yeah, I think, I mean, I want them to be able to accomplish what they set out to do and do it with a smile, hopefully. You know? Yeah. <laughs> so now where did somebody along the way encourage you when you were starting this kind of journey in the running and triathlon stuff? Or where did this come from? I mean, I think some of it is just me, but I also will have to say uh, with doing events through team and training and the coaches. So Coach Bob 
most people in the Hampton Rose area know who Coach Bob is. He's actually the announcer for all the JNA races. So he's Leprechaun Bob. He's, you know, everything Bob. But um, he would meet us out every weekend and do our long training with us and give us all the tips and information. And in the beginning, I mean, like his emails every week that he sent out, I learned a lot from him, but also just whether he was supporting me or watching him support other people and then our other assistant coaches along the way, I'm sure that also planted that in me. You yeah. know, I'm not just out here for me. I'm out here to support everyone else and help them, you know, get across and finish. Um, I mean, I've finished races if I had a time goal and then gone back out on the course to find friends and check That's on awesome. them and yep. get them through. And I will say, some of my best finishes have been, they weren't from me. It wasn't my time goal. It was, I might've been with the last group of finishers and I kept them ahead of that darn bus. I said that pace bus, there's no bus for us. That's right. Keep on going. But those are my favorite finishes. You know, they're the yeah. most memorable. Yeah. I tell people breaking my, a new my time goal. favorite ultra marathon finish was one where I was just having a disastrous race. I, I had a knee brace on and I got up and I bought the top of the very first climb, which was like a thousand foot climb. And I realized my knee, I was like, why is my knee brace so uncomfortable? And I realized that I put it on upside down. And, um, so I'm, I'm sitting there, you know, switching my knee brace around, adjusting my shoes. And all of a sudden I saw one of my friends who, you know, had been struggling in the ultra marathon distance and had never finished one. And she was struggling bad. And so I just said, hey, why don't I just stick with you the day? She's like, no, no, no. You want to go crush this thing? Go crush this thing. I was like, nah, I'm going to stick with you the whole day. You know, my favorite ultra marathon finish was coming across line with her and pushing her so that she would not have the DFL and I would take the DFL. And it was like, that Aww. was that was my favorite <laughs> ultra marathon finish ever. And, you know, 55 ultra marathon finishes that that is the one that will always stick with me, you know, because, you know, there's something that happens when you take your eyes off yourself and you say, you know, what, today's the day to help somebody else. Mm -hmm. And you do that Absolutely. a lot. You do that a lot. And I and I, I that's one of the reasons I wanted to have you on the podcast is I just really admire that in you. So oh. kudos. I think like you don't even realize these things about yourself sometimes because you're just doing it. You know, I don't. Yeah. So, so what's nice. on Thank what's you. on your schedule for this year? What what else do you have? I'm sure I will add more to the schedule, but currently I have a friend trying to qualify for Boston. I'm not quite there, but she's doing it in Alabama. So I said, "Ooh, another state. Can I come there play with go. you?" Fun. <laughs> so that's in September. And okay. I, oh, actually the weekend before that, I'm going to do the new JNA, the five and then the 10 miler um, that they're having Labor Day weekend oh, okay. in place I, of I've rock and roll. Yeah. Yep. Mm -hmm. And then I just sign up for 70.3. So that'll be in North Carolina. That's towards the end of October. Okay. So I'm not sure what I'm going to do after October, but I know there'll be more things and I'm sure I'm going to squeeze in some other things even before September, obviously. Oh, my next big thing. So my last couple of Ironman training cycles, um, I'm like, oh, yeah, it could be fun if we could try to do a 200 mile bike ride. But every time we think about it, you know, we're all training for an event. So you can't give up training for that. Also, you need a lot of daylight. So I said, we yep. need to plan it around the solstice. 
we need like the longest daylight possible. So last year I said, okay, we're going to do it next year, 2023. That's going to be it. And this year hasn't been what I thought it would be. Lots more travel, I had surgery in April, but I'm like, you know what? I'm still going to give it my best effort. So finally laying out the plans and 4th of July weekend, because we have a little wiggle room with the days, depending on the weather, that is going to be the attempt. <laughs> so awesome. I don't know if I'm going to hit awesome. 200, but um, the plan is from our house, a 50 mile loop to do it four times. So people awesome. can come back here to refuel, use the restroom, get water, or if people want to do a relay or if they just want to come say, for 50 later in the day jump in and throw a 50 right. down with you. Yeah. Awesome. I'm like, I'm going to need company later in the day. So we'll see. I'm going to, like I said, I don't know if I'll hit the 200, but I'm going to give it my best effort. And I figured I could always try again next year. So cool. Right I now, that's my next that year. Maybe thing. I'll come out and I'll run, I'll run the loop with you. Yeah, you could do that. That would be we insane. Stop and give you some water. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say stop and drench me. <laughs> that's awesome. Country roads. Yeah. yeah that's yeah. awesome. That'll be fun. A yeah. 200 mile ride. That'll be a blast. Cool. Yeah. So we'll Have see. You, Send so all the good endurance juju. <laughs> there you go. So is 112. That's your longest bike or. Yeah. I might've done slightly longer than that before, but yeah, right around there. Yeah. Okay. So. Cool. All right. So okay. last thing you are a animal lover, aren't you? Mm-hmm. All right. So tell me <laughs> this. Do you and Dylan just like, are you like magnets for like these stray animals that just need somebody to rescue them and love them or something or what where does yeah this, what's going on I, here i don't know apparently we are i i mean i don't, can't even tell you how many times it's been a puppy or a dog or a kitten and there's times i've been out on a ride and call he gets worried if i call him because that's not the norm he thinks something happened <laughs> but um no yeah i'm sure you saw our most recent one was just yep. last month and I still cannot believe everything happens for a reason is what I say, because my husband, Dylan had actually stopped with a couple of other um, people that were cycling with us because one of the guys had a flat tire and um, we had just come up to them and we waited for them to finish doing that. And we had just started riding again and turned the corner. I say everything happens for a reason, because if that hadn't happened, he was just at normal speed. They hadn't stopped and rolling through that corner. He never would have heard it because honestly, there was a whole group of us and he's the only one that heard how he heard this kitten's distress cry. I have no idea, but it was a little bitty kitten, maybe four weeks old wow. uh, and it just had been injured. Anyhow, he put it in his bike jersey and rode home eight more miles with that kitten in there <laughs> so we could clean it up when we got home. And the next day I took it to work and reached out to a friend and we started getting veterinary care for her. And one of our friends, especially that she has her now. But um, yeah, I don't know. It just happens a lot. I even opened the door one day just to take the dog out for a morning run. And there was a pit bull at the storm door wagging its tail like That's this fella come out and play i never saw this dog ever before i was like what in the world he heard so. he heard that you took in strays yeah yeah, yeah that so. is awesome <laughs> cool so this this has been so much fun getting to know you katrina and, and i can't wait to actually come out and i've never done any races with you so i've actually we've never met in person that i that yeah, I, I know i did my first ultra during covid so okay uh i actually want to do one with other people mine got canceled but i had trained for it all summer long so yep. my husband went out there with me at the high bridge ultra trail 
and he dropped me off at one end and he supported me throughout, but I did the whole thing. All that myself. is awesome. That and is so awesome. I, I love the way Jason Coop says, you know, success and endurance racing is not so much that you're successful and you do everything right. It's limiting the failures because mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. things are going to go wrong. And so it's just saying, okay, we're going to have a lack of failures throughout this, however long the period is, and limiting them. And I imagine that's got to be difficult and tries because I always picture you guys out there on these bikes and you never know when something's going to break on a bike, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You so- have to be ready to adjust and adapt and you know make adjustments on the fly. You have to be ready to do that. And- I, th- I know you said you're preparing your body, but it's a balance too, right? Like you yeah. still have to focus on strength and core and try to squeeze yep. these things in. But yeah. I do find triathlons have been better on the body, the cross training, because right. you're not always doing the same motion, like just running. And not, I mean, just running, but you know what I mean? Your body's always doing yes. the same thing. Yeah. Uh, I feel like my body's healthier doing yep. the different sports. What happens when something goes wrong with the bike? What do you do? I think almost all of us carry extra tubes and we carry air canisters. So, you know, if we have to fix a flat, we can do that. But if you have something more major mechanical, if there's a sag with items that can help you, but you have to really hope. And that's where I think too, checking your equipment though. You really need to check your equipment. You can't just train and train and train and go to a race and never look things over. And well, and you have to do sure the something on, wear and on tear. a regular basis, exactly. right? Yeah. Yes, you do. And I'm lucky. My husband does all of that. I'll be honest. He's like my bike mechanic. I don't have to take it to a bike shop. That's I have awesome. Dylan. <laughs> so That's awesome. always that good aspect. to have somebody right there in the household to do it. All right. Let's say that you're sitting down with somebody and they want to do their first triathlon, their first full distance triathlon. What is going to be your number one, two, and three tip to them? Number one for me, first thing was, okay, how can I fit this in, right? So looking at some plans and getting an idea of what it is you need to be able to do to prepare and how can you fit that into your day, right? How can you mold life around that? And then, I mean, while, yes, you need to be consistent, don't get hung up on every single workout and think if you miss one thing, you're going to fail. It's going to fall apart. It's not right. We all know a couple workouts aren't going to make or break, connect with people, find people. So swimming, I'll be honest. And um, I told you that's my weakest leg, but I was also afraid to join a master swim group. I thought they're masters. (laughs) Yeah. Not realizing it just means they're adult swimmers, but connecting with them. It helped me one just with some swim tips, but it also just helped me to know, okay, they're going to be these faces that I know on these days at this time that are going to be at the pool. Right. And help us be accountable and um, having other people to bike with is super important, even just for safety. If something happens, you're not alone, you know, find local groups that you can do these things with. And even the open water swims, like you don't want to do that alone either. So making sure you can connect with some people that are like-minded and I think just like running and that you find with ultras and the triathlon, especially like it's a big family. Everyone is welcoming and they're willing to help mentor and and don't be afraid to ask questions and just embrace it. Believe in yourself. That's great advice. Yeah. Believe in yourself. Who's your favorite person that inspires you? I know it's probably cliche, but I feel like my mom has probably inspired me the most and put that work ethic, instilled that into me. 
and chasing down the things you want. That is awesome. Well, Katrina, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for listening. Really appreciate you guys. We'll see you next time on Living an Ultralife.